Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. You know what that music means? It means that uh, you are listening to the mystery of parenthood. And um, we're going to begin with our prayer before we get into this exciting topic. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray, pray for us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for, pray us. for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We are um, joined by a great guest. I'm going to let Thaddeus introduce her, but she's a she's a... Becoming a regular, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, but go ahead, Thaddeus. Yeah, a pretty neat day to have uh, Monica Ashour return because in on this very day, we got an article from the one, the only George Weigel in First Things talking about the Easter effect. The big time. So first of all, welcome, Monica, and then I'll uh, let our listeners know um, what we're talking about here. Thanks, Thaddeus. Appreciate it, Trey. It's good to good to be here, and I guess we could say Happy Easter to all the listeners. That's right. That's right. We're uh, we're recording on the Wednesday of Holy Week, but you're hearing this now in the octave of Easter. But uh, on this Wednesday, uh, George Weigel published uh, in the First Things an article, and he talks about the Easter effect, and he mentioned uh, signs for uh, hope. And some of the things that he talks about are obviously Easter Vigil, new new converts coming into the church, um, published stories of individual conversion. He mentions Sarab Amari's new um, memoir from Ignatius Press. Um, he talks about the flourishing of traditional religious orders, Catholic intellectual life flexing its muscle on campuses, the Thomistic Institute specifically, which, by the way, they were just here in February at, here at Texas A&M. Uh, reformist bishops who are clear-eyed and honest about the fullness of the faith and not last but not least the translation of the theology of the body to primary and secondary school curriculums and he mentions by name theology of the body evangelization team and this is the founder of that monica (laughs) ashar with us today how does that feel to be mentioned in first things by George Weigel? I don't, I don't think that's going to ever happen to me. Me either. <laughs> it feels really good. Yeah. And, you know, I'm delighted because one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing is because of what he said. 
what he said was that we need a secondary kind of literature, secondary look at the theology of the body. Hmm. And so I read that a long time ago in his book, Witness to Hope, about Pope John Paul. Really? So I said about doing it. So he probably doesn't know that he's one of the reasons why I started doing it. So uh, anyway, it's great. He's delighted. And there's going to be evangelization, you know, changing in the culture, child by child and parent by parent. Yes. Very happy about it. Yes, indeed. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to mention to you that I'm so happy and thankful for the work that you're doing. And I, I only hope it does more and reaches more places because uh, there was, I think, a story a few weeks ago about uh, parents in a Boulder, Colorado school district just up in arms at um, transgender theology, <laughs> transgender theology, transgender ideology uh, being mm-hmm. pushed into their children's classrooms. These are early elementary school classrooms, uh, totally without their knowledge. Yeah, yeah, we've we've received phone calls. We at Tobit um, saying, you know, this is uh, what's happening, and there's a state law in Colorado, and so we've been receiving. You know, these are public school kiddos mm-hmm. who will go to be, you know, go to the faith formation classes, and so um, my team is set out to help them have an alternative if parents want to opt out. This is also ha- happening in Sacramento, California. I visited Bishop Van there in uh, Orange County, and they, too, are really worried that they're inculcating children. And so uh, several of them are looking into how Tobit's The Body Matters can uh, serve as an alternative to opt out for families. And, and I, just to, from a parenthood standpoint, it just it further means that we have to be purposeful with our kids. We have to be involved in what they are learning and have open lines of communication so that we can hear what they're learning because sometimes it can happen without our knowledge. And hopefully we've done enough to at least they can recognize, Hey, that doesn't sound right. You know, there's something isn't. Mm -hmm. And, and then know, Hey, I'm going to go back and ask, you know, like the old, um, what was my favorite, my favorite movie with Jimmy Stewart? Uh, It's a wonderful life, you know, go ask dad. (laughs) So somebody can go, but I think, but I think that that, speaks to how much more involved and more purposeful we need to be, particularly if our kids are going mm-hmm. to public school. But but forget that. I mean, really, across <laughs> the mm-hmm. culture, you can't you, – it's hard to get through it without without running across ideology that is contrary to what we would believe or teach. So right. thanks yeah, for doing what you I, do. I talked to a man – yeah, I talked to a man named Greg at the – uh, diocese of Orange County last week I met with him and he's like Monica we're really intentional but uh, it's kind of a deceptive because the day before spring break Friday before spring break they said okay there's going to be this if you want to opt out then give us uh, their your written permission on this Monday after you get back from spring break and so they were like oh we almost forgot it ourselves you know yeah. and so it's like it's it's a work of deception mm-hmm. to you know kind of you know, throw that in there. And he showed me what the Planned Parenthood speakers are talking about. And it's pretty horrendous. Um, it's, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say, except let's remember the resurrection happened. You know, right. And I think so that's, I think that right now, and I think that's one of the things that, that we, we need to focus on. And you, you, this is why you're on here and why you're mentioned is that we have an answer not we have the answer to to this so mm-hmm. the confusion that exists out there we have something to share with this culture that we should share the truth in love but 
we as Catholics and Christians shouldn't cower and move back, but should be bold enough in love to be able to go out and know how to engage somebody in, in a conversation without it, you know, um, maybe blowing up into something more than, than it ought to be. Mm-hmm. But we should be confident enough to be able to learn how to speak, not only with our kids, but with other people when it's appropriate um, about what the Christian faith has to offer because it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And with that said, you, uh, you offered to us this uh, intriguing notion of tying the theology of the body to the triduum and to the resurrection. And I, you know, I want to see how you're going to do this because I don't know if you can pull this off. I'm just really, <laughs> I'll I'm bear. really curious about this. I'll take that. Monica. Your little face. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's go back. Let's go back a week and let's go back into the triduum and start with us there. How, how is the theology of the body uh, so, tr- so pertinent to the triduum and how do we see it um, at work there in the, in the, the season of the Triduum? Yeah, yeah. So um, first I should say this is my extrapolation, having read The Theology Body 14 sure. times. So sure. you're kind of correct. Okay, this is, But um, I think it's faithful to it. So let me remind us of the, the beginning. So Pope John Paul knows that Jesus says, in the beginning it was not so, what was not so, divorce. And so what do we have before the creation of Eve? Pope John Paul speaks about Adam in search of his identity. This is a second creation story. So the first time in the Bible, something is amiss. It is not good for man to be alone. So how did Adam know he was, he was alone? Well, his body told him there was no one of the same nature. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no other body there. Okay. So that isolated Adam, you might say, I think prefigures the isolated new Adam on the cross, Jesus Christ. And so that's, you know, that's the uh, mystery of Good Friday, mm-hmm. that this, you know, new Adam is like um, Adam before the creation of Eve. So then, after Eve is created, then Adam knows the meaning of life. He knows I'm meant to be a gift, and it's this woman to whom I could give the gift of self, and she knows the same thing. Their bodies let them know the meaning of life, that they are gifts to each other. But Jesus, what he does on the cross is he suffers that total isolation as the new Adam. He even gives away his mom at the foot of the cross. John, behold your mother, woman, you know, behold John. He sends forth the Holy Spirit. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is total isolation when it, to be human means love for union, love for fruitful union. And so another way you might say it is he experiences, you know, what what hell is. And then what does he do on Holy Saturday? Um, What Pope Benedict says is he experiences the absence of God so that we don't have to. Mm. So that at every moment we can have union, which is what the theology of the body is about. Mm. And so for us to take seriously the idea of... um, of the isolation of Jesus on the cross. And then now when the listeners are listening to that, what is the resurrection? The resurrection is about union. So our book about heaven to fourth graders is going to say, you know, you're made to be together with others and heaven will be like this family party when the family always gets along. And, you know, union is going to be about 
all of the angels and saints, and you get to see Jesus and Mary, and we depict it in this book. And it's the glory of the resurrection that is so wonderful, but it had to take place first with the new Adam, um, Jesus Christ, you know, the second Adam, having to go through that harrowing time of, uh, of isolation so that we don't have to. And then, and and if I correct me if I'm wrong, but the, what there have been many fathers of the church that have talked about about just like from Adam from the rib the the his bride was formed from that that that, that the blood and water flowing from the side of Christ is like the rib starting right. right is that is that somewhere close that, to that's exactly right <laughs> yeah and blood and water flows out you know just like the the waters of baptism and the eucharist of course um and yeah the rib and the theology body symbolizes the same nature symbolizes equality and so jesus gives a gift of himself by giving and and mary gives a gift of self by receiving especially um you know her, her son after he rose again from the dead Wow. I was especially intrigued by one of the first things you said, which was that how did Adam know that he was alone and he knew it by he knew it through his body. His body told mm-hmm. him, uh, informed his his reason. And then he was able to draw the conclusion mm-hmm. that I'm alone. There's nothing else out there that's uh, like me that doesn't have the same nature. Can you can you expound a little bit more yeah. on that? Yeah, so um, a big phrase in the theology of body is consciousness of the meaning of the body. So being aware of one's body, and particularly with Adam, he he knew that there was no body, pun intended, mm. um, there to whom he could give the gift of self. And so once once one recognizes that the body is made to be a gift— then we can live life better. And then it's the body of Christ, Jesus Christ, especially the Eucharistic body, his nourishing us allows us to um, be able to give the gift of self to others to, you might say, expand um, his love to others. And so, yeah, I mean, consciousness of the meaning of the body is a phrase over and over because the theology body is meant to be, experiential. Um, it's not just objective truth thrown at us. We're supposed to understand, oh, this is God's truth and I own it in my heart and my body and my understanding and my identity. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. I mean, not interesting. I think it's so important what theology body does, not just with human sexuality, but with just as a person that we shows how how seriously we as Christians ought to take the body. In other words, the body was created by God and, and as such is communicate something to us about ourselves and also about God as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Am I, yes, st- I stretching yeah, beyond that? I mean, I, cause I think so many people take the body as something other or like, you know, I guess a, a, something bad or something to be struck down or yeah. something to be put, you know, put aside. I don't know. Yeah, it seems like there's no... parents. Yeah. When parents are listening to, to this, um, people are astounded when I, I've, I've said this many times before, I'll just say it again because I don't ever get tired of it. 55 times soul, 91 times spirit. How many times have you mentioned the word body in the theology body? 1,319. I think what he's, you know, helping parents to see is to mention the body, especially the body as a gift, 
you know, a gift received from God, you see, that in and of itself, like what you mentioned at the beginning, Trey and, and Thaddeus, about the, the gender ideology, part of that's because we don't receive our bodies as a gift. And then do we receive the body of Christ, our Eucharistic Lord, as a gift? You know, do we, do we receive other people's bodies as a gift, you know, in the family? Right. And, and knowing that, that they deserve reverence and, and love because we're all body persons is the way Pope John Paul puts it. But I think that's, that is so, I think it seems to be, and I don't know how it's lost, and I'm not, I'm not sure I can, maybe you can help me pinpoint the way, but I do get a sense that less than maybe any other time previous, at least in, in my awareness of, of that, it seems that the body's not really taken seriously. It's an impediment or it's a something that's just we're stuck with kind of as opposed to something that is a gift. Uh, it mm-hmm. seems to me like that that's something that I sense in the way things are communicated and talked about today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Pope Jean-Paul, I think, would say, I think he would say that. He, he basically says Adam and Eve tried to blame God and their bodies, and we often blame our bodies for our sinfulness and whatever, but he basically says, no, it's, it's the you know, malformed heart, it's concupiscence which is the reason why we sin, not because of the body. You know, the body is um, so important in Christianity. I mean, think about with the listeners, you know, that we're we're celebrating Easter season. It's because Jesus' body is reunited, you know, with his soul, his body, blood, soul, and divinity, all of him. But it's a different dimension, which is what Pope John Paul gets to in, in the third chapter of the Theology of the Body. So I think you're right, Trey, that it's it's devalued a lot, and instead we should actually value the, the truth and meaning of the body. So so just from a practical standpoint, like, how, I mean, are there a few pointers? We didn't even talk about this before, but, but with the book that, that maybe parents could have, and well, how do you do that with a four, fourth grader or a fifth grader mm-hmm. or a teenager, for that matter, in terms of just day-to-day to, to make them mm-hmm. begin to consider the body as a gift and 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 maybe look at it differently and maybe even point out the ways that that this world may counteract that or try to say that that's not true does that make sense because i mean sure mm-hmm. yeah one one of my friends she sent me a uh, a recording saying i just want to thank you for the books because my i think it was a two-year-old son um said mommy look with my hands, I'm clearing off my plate, off the table. I'm a gift, <laughs> you know. So that's the, that's one of the main things I would just say from a very young age. You know, when a fourth grader comes up and uh, shows you a piece of art that he or she did at, at school, for the parent to say, oh, my gosh, you're giving me the gift of self, you know, by showing that to me. I'm giving you a gift of self by receiving that and being excited with you. You know, because, you know, love is giving, love is receiving, and love is open to others. And the gift of self through the body is the meaning of life because the gift of self is love. So basically the word love and gift, um, I think, are interchangeable for Pope John Paul. But when he says gift of self, it's more like we own it. instead of like love as an abstraction. It's the bodily gift of self where it makes it not abstract. It makes it concrete. 
And so I'm, I'm thinking. know at that point, I'm that thinking, someone has given the gift of self. I think that's that's awesome. I think that so. Th- I think the one of the things that popped in my mind, and, and I've I've violated this, and 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 also been good at it, is when a kid comes in, when a child comes in, and is asks you a question or wants to share something with you, and you're in the middle of whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, to stop and eye to eye and with the body, you know, not dismiss, but whatever you do, acknowledge the person in a way that it's my body, my eyes are looking at your eyes and I acknowledge that you're talking to me. I hear what you're saying and I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing, assuming that the house isn't going to burn down or something (laughs) as a result. But I mean, normally it's not that case instead of offsetting is a, is a simple way of just living out that idea of, of gift. I'm going to receive the fact that you've come and approached me and you're giving yourself and your thoughts and whatever it is and your question. And I, my job is to receive it. So I'm going to stop and take time, which is a conscious decision, I guess. Is yeah. That, and, and when you do that, Trey, I would bring up the body. Right. Like when it gets to be teenagers, it's a little bit weird to say body to body. We're like, because they might sexualize it. Right. However, from the youngest, um, when they come up and they're all excited and you're on the phone or whatever, just say, you know, put put a you know put away the computer or whatever, and just say, hold on, let me finish this. I want to be body to body with you, and really right. receive your gift of self. You know, that's what I say to my nieces and nephews, and they they now know. Okay, Aunt Monica wants to be body to body, and so I put away cell phones and you know things like that. And so I would definitely point out body to body, and then gift of self. Yeah. So maybe that, that trying to add that to the language and make it not be it's like you said it's probably a little easier as they're younger to kind of bring that bring that into the conversation you might get a little bit awkward but i think that you still have to make the effort with teenagers if they haven't been used to that to say i i appreciate you coming and i'm going to stop and actively focus on you mm-hmm. and I give you my i can't stuff. remember if it's if it's monica that says this or maybe it's Stephanie that says this sometimes, but it's the idea also of let's be with the three-dimensional right. people. That's a Stephanie That's thing. a Stephanie. Oh, Stephanie thing. Yeah, it's time to be with the three-dimensional <laughs> people. <laughs> so that, that, that pretty much dismisses any phone, TV, computer. Video game. Yeah. Even Skype or whatever. Right, right, whatever the newest yeah. thing is like, okay, it's time to be with yeah. the three-dimensional people here. So, yeah, yeah. that's a, that's yeah. a Stephanieism. Yeah, I, I think y'all are right about that. Like, even introducing it to teenagers, even if it's like weird. I, I won't put it in my books because it's really weird to read that. For Especially if they haven't heard it book. before. Yeah, yeah, when they haven't heard it. But for parents to kind of introduce it and they're like, that ah, sounds weird. But then it's the foundation to build upon to talk about sexuality. Where contraception is not a body-to-body experience. Exactly. Um, when there's a barrier, it's really not body-to-body. It's not three-dimensional. It's a different thing altogether, and then it's it's the opposite to get to self. It's it's use. And I wouldn't put it in such like black and white terms for the older kids because life is more complex. Right. But they'll see the link. With but it's that. a holding back. It's a holding back for sure. Right. Yeah. Nice point. Yeah. Absolutely. But then, but the there, get to self for But sure. even in that in that teaching, it it further kind of shows how seriously we as Christians should take the body every aspect of it not 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 like you can divorce a poor some portion um of it 
and then say, well, I'm giving 99% of myself to you or, or whatever. I, I meant to give all of myself mm-hmm. to you. But interestingly, that's yeah. kind of the, that's kind of the point that, that article we talked about last week with Dr. Sarah Bartell, it was from New York magazine on is marriage obsolete. And the, there's a lot of uh, sarcastic takes on marriage in this article we discussed last week, but the author kind of gets down to the point of marriage. You find meaning in marriage through going through suffering with one another, the hard times with one another, having that person next to you who, you know, maybe emits smells that you don't like and groan sounds right. that you don't like and <laughs> has, has certain attributes that you don't particularly like. And, that's where the kind of the beauty and the the real meaning of marriage is found and if you're holding part of yourself back you're not going to you're not going to have that you know it that's only possible through a total gift of self lifelong till right. death do you part commitment and mm-hmm. well, we have to share that article with you because because there's humor mm-hmm. i don't know what the lady's faith background is but it's funny how she funny interesting um that she gets to the point where she kind of recognizes that, uh, you know, all these differences, all these struggles that we have, it's nice to have a person that knows me in my worst and yeah. still accepts me in, mm-hmm. in my worst, you know, um, mm-hmm. is fully aware that yeah. I'm not perfect and still is there. Yeah. And isn't that the Paschal mystery and the resurrection, like Jesus in our sins, was there for us no matter what. Yeah, so let's 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 get there. Let's get to the resurrection. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. Great segue. That's why you're here, man. <laughs> oh, that was actually Monica who had the great segue. She's she's trying to drag us to hey, I'm talking about both of y'all. I was talking Come to on, her. Guys. So okay, anyway. okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I digress. <laughs> so the third chapter of the theology of the body or the first part, it's called Christ Appeals to the Resurrection. And so um, what Pope John Paul directs us to are many scripture verses about the resurrection of the body. And uh, so one of the the passages that he focuses on is um, the idea of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so so Jesus is like in front of the Pharisees, so he can't say, hey, y'all, I'm about to rise from the dead after I die for you. Mm -hmm. He can't really say that. So he, he goes to the scripture that they should know. And so... Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they have been dead. And so the Pharisees, they still don't get it. So he's basically saying God is the God of the living, you know, and, and so that, that empowers us because of the power of the resurrection. So then St. John Paul extrapolates from that about what heaven might be like. And he, of course, focuses on the body. So he speaks about perfect subjectivity. So what does that mean? It means that right now on earth, as we go through kind of what you were just saying about married couples, like it's a struggle sometimes. You don't understand each other. You know, I sometimes don't feel like loving, but I do it anyway. In heaven, all of that will be perfectly aligned. And so he he, uh, speaks about that, that, you know, when we are tempted now, all of that will go away. It'll be the the emotions and the body and the heart and feelings and and everything, the intellect, all going together, whereby everyone chooses love. So it's perfect subjectivity. And then he speaks about perfect intersubjectivity, where it's not just me having that wholeness within my own self, but wholeness within, you know, our relationship with others. 
you know, but with our family and friends and those who stayed true to Christ in the church. And I especially love the back passage in the Theology of Body where Pope John Paul quotes from God will be our all in all. That's from uh, St. Paul. Well, many people think heaven is only like staring at God. And he's basically saying, no, it's, it's not God is our all in all means that excludes everyone else. No, it includes everyone. And then he also mentions masculinity and femininity, which is why gender ideology is so dangerous, because it goes against the truth of heaven, as well as, of course, on earth, where we will have our bodies back in our maleness or our femaleness, and how wonderful that is. Uh, But it's true, Pope Joe Paul will say. And we're not sure what that means, what masculine and femininity will mean in, in heaven, because procreative aspect in the normal sense of the word will no longer be necessary because we're, we're not going to be populating heaven um, after the Jesus comes back. So uh, it's frustrating in the theology, but he just kind of plops that line down. It's like, we don't know what that exactly will mean, but, but it, we will be male and female. So what I've always <laughs> thought created. that I've, I've always thought, yeah, I've always thought that, that it was important to point out the idea that, that, it's a sacramental sign that the, the two, particularly in mar- in marriage, and that it's a sign pointing to the Trinity, to life together mm-hmm. in communion, and therefore, if we're in the presence of the real thing, then then we wouldn't necessarily have a sign. We will have our bodies, but it wouldn't be the same. Is is, is that? Am I butchering that really bad? Yeah, I, I, I would I would rephrase that. Trey, okay, I'm good. I'm, that's why I'm at, that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> the danger in that is then we don't have our own bodies back. And so what is it? A reincarnated body? Is yeah. it, you know, my guess it'll be the same body, right. but there'll be a different procreative way of um, being in heaven. It reminds me of the passage in, in Corinthians. We will be changed from glory into glory. Right. We will need all of eternity to get to know others and, and to be, um, you know, with others. But we don't know what exactly that means uh, with regard to the male body and the female body. So, so looking forward to it. So a question. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. So, what my, so my question, and this has come up some, and, and maybe this is something, you, in talking with your kids about, about heaven and the fact that we will be reunited with our, at, at the second coming, we'll be reunited with our, with our bodies. But what happens in the interim? Like, so my mm-hmm. mom died 20 years ago, uh, you know, um, can you believe that? <laughs> I saw you the day she died, but but um, but she doesn't have her body now, correct? Yeah, I mean, that, that, I guess you would say technically that's correct. It's a mystery because there's the eternal now, but theologians, including Thomas Aquinas, would say there's something amiss before the second coming. So we know that there's particular judgment where when a person dies. His or her spirit or soul goes in front of God and is judged um, and then awaits the final judgment, general judgment, when you know we'll, we'll be reunited with our bodies. One thing, Pope Benedict, I read this pretty recently, he mentions like, we will all be in Jesus's body. It's really interesting. Huh. So in other words, we're not like totally bodling it less. We live and move and have our being in Christ here. But I wonder if that's kind of um, a way of uh, making sense of the body, because there's a male body and a female body 
in heaven right now, mm-hmm. and it's Jesus and Mary. Right. And uh, how exciting that is that you know yes. the, the human body is not left under, except for us who are sinners. But um, yeah, what do you think about that, Trey and Thaddeus? I I always have. Uh, I think it's just so compelling and uh, energizing to like when you met when you meditate on the ascension and the assumption when you pray the rosary and you're 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 thinking about man here's the second person of the trinity who lowered himself and took on bodily form but then he he takes that matter that you know breaks down and decays and takes different forms and and he and he raises it he raises it to this higher pitch of existence um how how much he how much he cares for each one of us and that he he wants that for each and every one of us he mm-hmm. he wants to reunite us back to himself so intimately that he even he you know quote unquote figured out a way to bring our bodies back home with 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 us or you know. yeah so it's just it's very um it's very loving and and you you feel the you feel the embrace and the the care of the the father through the son when you when you really stop and you meditate on on what the ascension and the assumption mean. Um, yeah, love it. Go ahead, Trey. Were so you- I, I had a question. It's a little bit on on topic. Typically, you know, I'll, I'll be off topic, but but my I'm I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay, you talk with kids about heaven, and lots of times, you know, they get an impression of what heaven's going to be like, and and they think sounds boring you know (laughs) we're just sitting around you know worshiping god you know how do you how do you address how do you how would you address that um (laughs) do you not ever get that or maybe mike only kids the 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 sick ones that (laughs) that come i i think that sometimes i think that's a relatively normal yeah heaven but you know what are we Mm -hmm. doing just sitting around and yeah you know that's a great great idea so I'm really excited that we're almost going to have color pictures on our heaven book. So can you imagine that? So the, the, the book for level four is called the body in heaven. And so we had to talk to the illustrator before we would just give instruction to illustrators, but here we're like, we need to make sure that heaven has like some sort of glow around it, but we still had some earthly pictures as well in the book. And so what would they be like? Think about this. Like, what are they going to be wearing? Right. And, and what are they going to be doing? And so my team and I, well, by the way, today, one of my writers is like, oh, I think this book about seventh grade and the body and heart is my favorite. And then the other writer's like, no, body in heaven is my favorite. <laughs> she helped write it. Anyway, <laughs> so one of the pictures that we are depicting is um, one boy in heaven is running and racing against this other boy. One of them is walking on water and the other <laughs> is bouncing from tree to tree. Oh, cool. It's like so awesome. Yesterday, my special needs nephew, Nikki McGarry, he was looking at the, on the computer because we don't have it printed yet. 
in one picture, we have Jesus holding the hand of somebody, and that other person is passing through a wall. And so this boy, he's 12 now, he just stared at that picture. It's not even colored. He's like, that's me. Can you color it red? And I can't wait to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Aunt Monty? Yeah. And then his mom mm-hmm. and my sister's like, no, 100 years from now, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we almost did too good of a job that he wants to go to heaven right now. So in, in other words, like, there's, it's about time that we predict you know, the beauty of heaven. And in another part of the book, one of my writers said, you know, my, my son is worried about going to heaven if he's going to have to see one of his, you know, the mean classmates there. And so we talk about that, you know, and what about like, we would just sit around twiddling our thumbs. And so we talk about that in the book and just try to explain that heaven is like uh, eternal. And, you know, that might scare some kids as well, but for you know, to help the analogy of like a family party that you would never want to end. That's what it yeah, would be like. And, I, I, you I know. mean, the best I can, the best I've ever tried, because it, it does come up and I, and I say, well, look, I, the way I look at it is that, that as best I can think is think of the most joyful moment that you've ever experienced. One that you wish didn't end infinitely more than that. And forever, in a certain sense, I mean that 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 level of of joy and excitement and wonder would mm-hmm. wouldn't go away. I mean, it would be mm-hmm. there forever. I like yours. Yeah. I, I like telling the kids they're going to be able to bounce from tree to tree and walk through walls and walk on yeah. water. Yeah, um, we we also have an illustration where a, a girl is like directing music, and then the music turns into fireworks. Like that's what I wonder if that's the procreative aspect of the human person in heaven, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I think so it's exciting for children. I'm just trying to think of movies like, and again, uh, without, I'll mention it, but I mean, but say Ghost or whatever at the end. I'm not no theology, mm-hmm. just nothing. But I, but but the end, there is something mm-hmm. beautiful at the end of that. If you just take the scene separate from the rest of the <laughs> story. About him mm-hmm. walk, walking away from his wife here and looking back, and you can see other bodies. You can't, you don't know who they are. Kind of mm. back there, and he and he looks back at her, and he, and he says, "It's so beautiful." And and then he lets go of her and walks towards these people, and then you mm. see these people coming towards him. Mm-hmm. Now that, but that sense that kind of, to me goes, well, that's cool. Cause I want to see my mom. I want to see my grandfather. I want to see all these other yeah. people. So anyway. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. In the theology of the body, um, Pope John Paul, this is the second chapter of the second part where he speaks about love is stronger than death. And so, you know, the, the married couple on earth is exclusive here, but we'll all be together um, in, in heaven, and how profound that is that Jesus Christ, it's because of what we just celebrated, the Paschal mystery and, and the resurrection of Christ, that now we can all, you know, go to heaven. Right. It's because we are part of his body. If someone is not part of the body of Christ, they can't go to heaven. Why? Because he, in his body, takes us to the Father. And that's what heaven is, mm-hmm. the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all of us kind of being caught up in, in that um, cycle of love is the way we put it in one of our books. So yeah. the resurrection is where it's all at, you know? 
I mean, you're, you're making me think of lots of things that hopefully this is helpful. I remember you giving a talk at RCIA, I won't say how many years ago here, but, <laughs> but, but the idea of, I think it was that placing yourself, everything on the, on the patent at, at mm-hmm. the Eucharist and the tie between that and our being in union with God and in union with others in and in through with and in Jesus. Is, would you have said something like that? Cause I think it was you that said that. <laughs> It's in my sixth grade book. Okay, yep. see, so about I, they're, they're, I've forgotten lots of things, Monica. <laughs> in fact, I've you forgotten my name a few times. But but this one, <laughs> I, I do remember vividly that 20, well, mm-hmm. again, I won't say how long ago, but mm-hmm. a while back. So, mm-hmm. so with regard yeah, to teaching so, your kids uh, using this and using, say, going to Mass, what, what might they be able to learn from that? Yeah, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because... Part of the thing I wanted to to have the listeners listen, you know, realize is, did you notice that at the Easter Vigil or at the Easter Sunday Mass, it goes back to the Passion of Christ? That's always struck me. Like we know He's risen from the dead, but in Mass, it's "This is My Body Given," mm-hmm. and that's the presentation of Calvary. Right. So even on Easter, we go back to that. And so, what do we do at Mass? We put ourselves, our bodies, our you know thoughts, our feelings, our our families, our joys, and we put them on the altar. The patent with my deceased parents, I I place them in the chalice in all those who have died, and just as the bread and wine are changed into the body and blood of Christ, may all of us be changed to love more. But it's only possible because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And as Flannery O'Connor, one of my favorite writers, says. She's basically, she says, the resurrection is actually kind of the normal thing. It's, it's all the aberrations, the, the, the wrong you know, sinfulness of sterilization or of lying or contraception or abortion. Those are the aberrations against the body. The resurrection mm-hmm. based on the incarnation is actually the truth that mm-hmm. we should um, you know, kind of hold up. Um, as as the way to live our lives here on earth. And, but it, but as as I think about that, isn't that that we need to tell our kids we were meant to be? Had I mean we were meant to be this body soul you know this this union of body and soul right and mm-hmm. and and that it's sin that comes in and and causes death, which is the separation of those. Is that? Fair mm-hmm. way to say it. Yeah. How would you say that? Yeah, to I love. Go ahead. Yeah, I love that. I love it. Um, so the separation of body and soul is is death, and so as we live our life on earth, are we going to sin? And sin is sort of a mini death. You know, it's kind of a. I know what's right in my heart, and then with my body, I don't do it. So the opposite of that is holiness, according to Pope John Paul in the theology of the body. And so, but to that, Trey, I would also add. So that we don't only have this dichotomy like body and soul, if I were a parent, I would now also include, I would like, you know, your body, your soul, your feelings, your emotions, your intellect. So Dr. Mikhail Waldstein, who uh, translated Theology Body, he taught me this about a month ago. He would say that the, the, the heart includes all of those, includes the soul, the spirit, the emotions, feelings, intellect, the seat of the person, as you, if you will. And then the body uh, being tied to that. 
So, yeah, instead of just saying soul for parents um, to, to their children, I would, I would include all of that so that when they experience feelings, you know, when they experience you know, these, these different things, they can be guided as to what that is um, instead of only the word soul. Oh, so in terms of in terms of making them understand what the what the what the soul is, so is that am well, I what the whole person? Yeah, I would say yeah. In other words, yeah, I would say the heart is a broader concept than the word soul, right? And in, in, in Hebrew thought and theology of the body and all these other aspects, but I don't I don't so want to get body and heart is another way you might say it. I was having the I was having the discussion with somebody, and I remember you know the sense of of a human person being, you know, embodied soul, I guess, in flesh soul, that you, mm-hmm. that perfect mm-hmm. union. And that in some sense, when the soul is removed, it's matter that's buried, not technically the body. Cause the person mm-hmm. is that, is mm-hmm. that correct? Yeah. Trey, that's funny. Cause you remember something I taught 20 years ago. I remember you saying that you don't refer to the corpse as the body. Because I think it confuses, I think it confuses people. I mean, I I think that Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. there tends to be this dichotomy, which I think lends itself to dismissing the body. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, when in fact, no, hey, we're we're a embodied, we're meant to be this way. This is the way God created us, and it's our sinfulness, the fall, and our sinfulness that causes the separation. It was never meant to be separated. I mean, yeah, we've yeah, it's an aberration for sure, right? Yeah. and that when we get to heaven, well, actually, is it tr- is it not true no, no, at the second coming, whether we're going to heaven or hell, we're still going to be reunited with the matter, correct? Yeah, I, I think that is correct. Um, and so in hell, it's, it's going to be an experience of what eternal fire, you know, or eternal ice, as Dante puts it. Right. But yeah, I think it'll only it won't only be a, a spiritual so God will bring us back together. God will bring us back together, whole, whole the way it was meant to be. Of course, we'll have an impact, I guess, to a certain extent on whether we. Um, yeah, but I always say I, at some point I'm going to be able to hug my mother again. I think, Sarah. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, a, some some God willing, yeah. I mean, uh, God willing, both both. I, I'm I'm a little bit more certain about her than if we can get you to heaven. <laughs> if we can get me to heaven, <laughs> that could be a problem. But but having this conversation is helpful. So, <laughs> but uh anyway I, I, I this is really a cool topic i mean i i i think that um we need to have a i mean i'm so glad you're doing this so that parents have a a way of being able and i think you, i think it's probably true that you'll find that parents out there will actually learn something themselves even though it's something for their as they go through it because of because of that so we have about six oh, minutes yeah. left Absolutely. monica um and i wanted yeah. to ask to kind of wrap everything up that you've been saying i think that sometimes what's difficult as a as a parent is taking our children and ourselves really from okay it's easter and jesus rose from the dead and you know it happened two thousand years ago but we're celebrating it today. Why are we celebrating it today? And why have we celebrated it over and over again when it's something that happened in the past, but getting us to realize it's not something that just happened in the past. It's something that we're looking towards and we're that that's, and that we're going to, we're going to exp- 
experience each one of us at the end of our lives. So how do we, how do we mm. keep our gaze, you know, kind of heavenward and at the hour of our death? Yeah, great. That is a wonderful question. And, and the first thing I would say is um, Pope John Paul and Pope Benedict, I don't, I haven't read much about Pope Francis, so he probably agrees with that, that eternal life is not this future distant thing that we can't experience at all. So that's one thing I would offer to parents. Like, is they're explaining, like, what does it mean rising from the dead? And so what? And well, part of it is the power of the resurrection goes backward and forward. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the people who died before Christ that he got to, you know, bring out of the grave like Adam and Eve and, you know, bring them back um, t- together with him in heaven. And then it also goes forward to us here and now. And so what Pope John Paul would say in the theology body is the spiritualization of the body begins now. And then you get a, what I would call a souped up version, like the, the most intense version in, in heaven. And so what is the spiritualization of the body? Well, it's when I allow love to be part of every bodily action I do. And so, you know, to talk to children and say, hey, when you're a gift, that's because of the resurrection. <laughs> it's Jesus' spirit within your heart and the Holy Spirit who has an alliance with your spirit in your heart so that you choose that which is good. And so instead of just only like keeping a gaze, you know, for, for, for heaven as if it's distant, I would bring that back to the here and now and the effect of Christ's resurrection here and now. And then, you know, when, when we fall and we forget that, the, the, the reason why we can be forgiven is because of the resurrection. So Divine Mercy Sunday is coming mm-hmm. up. St. John Paul proclaimed it, you know, Divine Mercy Sunday. And he died on the vigil of Divine Mercy Sunday. And, um, you know, Faustina talks about, you know, it's the pouring out of this grace and mercy. And so when they, they forget and they sin, just having children know, look, your body can be reunited, you know, with, with your spirit, even now, in a sense, through the merciful forgiving of Jesus. And, yeah, and, and how the church, you know, you know, allows us all to have that experience through the resurrection and all the other sacraments. Um, yeah, yeah. What, what else would y'all say to parents? For, I mean, for that? me, for me, I try to say, look, I mean, he is alive. I mean, this is not just a remember, it's not. I mean, he he is alive, and he desires an encounter with you. He desires to speak with you, to listen to you, to be in your presence. I mean, you know, and so we're remembering he he is alive. I mean, it's, this mm-hmm. is not some you know myth that happened. It really is. And I've actually asked him, you know, do you, do you do realize if he's not alive and he didn't resurrect, then we're a bunch of idiots. But, yeah, we're I mean, you know, yeah. St. Paul says as much, or maybe not quite more eloquently. I think <clears throat> I think there's something really powerful about the the resurrection in that. Obviously, there is, but I'm saying um, there's something in there's something in the human being that really doesn't want to have eternal life just spiritually. Like there's something about us mm-hmm. that desperately yes. wants to have our body in whatever place we're going to be for the rest of eternity. Yep. And that's what Christianity, Christianity promises that 
the resurrection. Only. I, I'm, I'm going out on a limb here, but I think Christianity is the only world religion that promises a bodily resurrection in the body that you have for eternity. Not, mm-hmm. not reincarnation, not, um, not nirvana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not Touching the same body mm-hmm. glorified. Yeah. Right. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe we could say Islam promises that promises that as well, but I'm not exactly clear on their eschatology. So let's leave them aside. Um, but still there's something, there's something viscerally visceral that human beings, we, we want to have our body with us wherever we are going to go next. So we're not really excited about dying. I mean, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that's right. That is like, yeah. it's a longing and, and why? Because we long for our person to exist for eternity. Yeah. Right. But we are persons, not only in a spiritual sense, like many people think, no, we, we are body persons as St. John Paul says, and, and the power of the resurrection goes forth. And one, one more thing, if we have time, yeah, we do. Ray was mentioning Jesus is alive. Okay, good. So Jesus is alive, but he often wants to meet us in everyday life. Yes, absolutely. Like in your family members, in something that happened in creation, you know, in something that kind of pierced through your intellect and, you know, you felt in your heart. And, and yeah. he likes to use other things to, to, to reach us. So it's not only having a own, one's own prayer life. Right. And listening to Jesus and, you know, Lexio Divina or, or the liturgy. But it's also those day-to-day events, what Pope John Paul calls hope for every day. Hope for every day Great. means encountering Christ anew. Great point. So are we drawn to a close here? Monica, thank you so much for, for this. I would only say, I'm going to throw this out there. One of my favorite lines from Theology of the Body is, the body and it alone is capable of making the mm-hmm. invisible visible, the spiritual and the divine. That's our memory verse. Uh, is that is that accurate, Monica? Close. Yes. Okay. Yes, and only the body is a, is the newer translation. The okay. body and only the body. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That? Remember that. Great. God bless you guys. Remember, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you, and He will. God bless. Happy Easter.